Hey everyone, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. I appreciate you connecting every week to listen, to learn, and to grow. Today is part two of the series on boundaries. I hope you've been able to reflect on the four questions I asked you last time regarding boundaries. Were you able to determine whether or not you are lacking healthy boundaries in your relationships? I sure hope so. I mentioned to you last time that although the lack of communication and broken trust are the most common predictors of a failing relationship or a marriage that is bound for divorce, the core issue is the lack of healthy boundaries. Just as countries have protective boundaries or borders, you also need them in your relationships to guard your personal time, your emotional energy, your body, and your physical strength. Boundaries are such an important part of our daily lives, and yet most individuals are completely oblivious to them. There are physical boundaries, moral and ethical ones, and of course, personal boundaries. Boundaries are meant to keep you safe. With COVID-19, we have had to establish physical six-foot boundaries to keep everyone healthy. I quoted to you last time Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Keep in mind that in order to guard your heart, you must first guard your mind. And in order to guard your mind, you must be very selective as to the environment or the atmosphere that you expose yourself to, the words that you expose yourself to. You see, before something can affect your heart, it must first come into the mind. And in order to get into the mind, it must first come in through the eyes or the ears. So you have to be very selective You have to set up a boundary, and it has to have a gate, (laughs) and you open and close that gate. You allow, you allow whatever you want in, and you keep out whatever you don't want in. Otherwise, it affects your heart, and as the proverb says, your heart determines the course of your life. There's There's a story about an 81-year-old man named Larry. Now, Larry lost his wife, and at 81 years of age, he continues living at home. But he needs regular assistance with you know, shopping for simple things, like groceries and supplies and other chores. So his daughter, who happens to be a nurse, drives an hour every Saturday to help him. However, a problem soon arises over Larry's coarse language. You know, he's he's got a he's got a potty mouth. <laughs> like fingernails on a chalkboard, his language becomes so so grating that his daughter realizes that she must set a boundary. She says to him, "Dad, I love you and I always want to help you, but your coarse language is offensive to me. It wounds my spirit. You can choose to continue this way, but if you do, I'll let you know that I won't help you anymore. I'll have to leave. But understand, you will be choosing to be without my help. That's key right there. She says, you will be choosing to be without my help. It's a choice. 
The next week when she arrived to tackle her dad's to-do list, the profanity started within 15 minutes. Dad, I was willing to help you, but since you've chosen to continue using offensive language, I told you I would leave. Obviously, you don't want my help right now. What? He said. You can't leave. You promised to help me. I want to help you, but this is your choice. I'll be back next week and we'll try again. She left and she was feeling hurt. Her dad was hurt, but he chose to cross the line, the boundary line of inappropriateness. So she follows through with the repercussion. She also returns the following week. Her father greets her and remains a perfect gentleman during the Saturday and the next week. But then, on the fourth visit, he tests her resolve with more coarse language. Oh, Dad, I'm so sorry you don't want my help this week. I love you, and I'll see you next week. And off she goes. That does it. It only takes a few more times of testing. And within a few months, her father treats her with new value and a new vocabulary. These boundaries are not about winning a game. For this dad-daughter duo, it's about winning a relationship. A new relationship of respect. You see, Proverbs 12, 18 says this. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise, those bring healing. You see, that's a great story. This is a father-daughter relationship. And she chooses. She chooses not to succumb to his ugliness. She sets boundaries. She doesn't take responsibility for the way that he is treating her. She puts the responsibility on him. She says, this is your choice. You are choosing to be without my help. What a great way to set boundaries and to follow through with them. And after a few months, this was this attitude, this, this setting of boundaries helped rewire Larry's mind. It helped him see his daughter from a different perspective and value her much more, establishing a better relationship that would last many more years. See, according to Dr. Henry Cloud, there are two kinds of boundary problems. The problem that arises because you have difficulty setting boundaries and the problems that arise through not respecting other people's boundaries. You see, boundary problems are not just the inability to say no, although a lot of people struggle with that. I've always said that the most powerful word that is a statement and a sentence in itself is no. Being able to say no is liberating. It sets a boundary. It protects me, protects my time, my physical space, my body. But yet that's not the only problem with boundaries. If you have boundary problems, now listen, 
if you have boundary problems, it's pretty likely that you'll attract others who have boundary problems too, which may be similar or different to your own boundary issues. Now, we've heard it's been said that opposites attract, and that's true oftentimes. But you know what? We have a tendency to attract people who struggle with our same problems. And imagine two people in a relationship who have issues with boundaries, that becomes chaotic, toxic, taxing. It's a terrible situation to be in. Cloud describes boundary issues using four descriptors. He says you have those who are compliance. Those are the ones who say yes to the bad. If you're in a compliant pattern, you'll find it very difficult to say no. If as a child, you were taught it wasn't okay to say no, or you learned that it was bad or wrong to say no to things or to disappoint others through not doing what they wanted, it can create real problems in your life. This is probably, this is probably the case of many of you listening right now. You were probably taught that uh, by saying no or not doing what others wanted you to do, that it was disappointing and that it was, that it was a big deal. You see, many parents find the stage children go through of finding the power of no fairly taxing. However, it is widely understood that this is an essential developmental stage. As a child, it's hugely important that you learn that it is okay to say things like no or I disagree, or I don't want to do that, or stop that, or it hurts. You know, that's why, that's why there's so much abuse that goes on within, within uh, you know, with children. That's why you have a total stranger who stops and, and lures a, a child into a car, because they've been taught that they shouldn't disappoint. They've been taught not to say no. They've been taught these things and they've stuck in their mind and they've wired their brains and created a paradigm. Well, we have to teach our children that it's okay to say, I disagree, I don't, I don't want to do that or stop that or it hurts. Someone who hasn't learned to say no can become quite the chameleon, you know, adapting themselves to, to their behavior to suit whoever they're around. See, a compliant person can, can take much longer than someone with healthy boundaries to realize they're in an unhealthy or even an abusive relationship. If you are in a compliant pattern, it's likely you'll find it hard to say no due to you know the fear of hurting someone else's feelings. Or like I mentioned last time, the fear of abandonment or the fear of someone else's anger or punishment or the fear of being shamed or seen as bad or the feelings of guilt when putting yourself first. Keep in mind, all of this is shaped in the minds of children. And as adults, you just carry that with you. If you're in a compliant pattern, you probably take on way too much, give too much to others, and set far too few boundaries. Last time we talked about the importance of putting yourself up there in your priorities. I talked about faith, you know, that I place God at the top, at the pinnacle of my life. And then I'm next. No one else. Next. I'm next. I'm number two. And a lot of people might say, well, that sounds egocentric. That might sound egotistical. That's selfish. No, I think it's selfish not to. I need to make sure that I 
nurture myself, love myself, forgive myself, extend grace to myself, strengthen myself so that I can do that for others. There's also another descriptor. You have the avoidance. Now, the avoidance say no to the good. If you're in an avoidant pattern, you'll find it hard to ask for help, to recognize your own needs, or to let others in. When you need help, you're likely to withdraw most of the times. Your boundaries are like walls and don't allow enough support or flow to flow in. Your boundaries are like walls without a gate. If you're in an avoidant pattern, you're likely to feel pretty resentful and unsure of how to meet your own needs. That's because you probably don't even know what they are. If you're both in a compliant and avoidant pattern, you'll have no boundaries where you need them and boundaries where you should not have them. At the extreme, you're probably feeling burnt out from doing too much for others and have no real idea how to get your own needs met and fill yourself up. In other words, you're running on fumes, my friend. This is when you give, you give, and you give again, and you receive nothing. Usually usually these are people who have a hard time even receiving a compliment. It's like when somebody looks at you and says, man, you look good today. And they're being sincere, and and your reply is, really? I don't think so. Rather than saying something simply like, well, thank you so much. It's very kind of you. This is a, an avoidant pattern. You also have the ones that Cloud calls controllers. Those are the ones that don't respect other people's boundaries. You see, a controller can't respect someone else's limits or boundaries. They, they resist taking control for their own lives, so they need to control others. You could be in one of those relationships right now with a controller. You see, a controller can't hear no and tend to project responsibility for their lives onto others. They're the ones that say, you made me do that. You made me say that. To a controller, a no is simply a challenge to change the other person's mind. Kind of makes matters worse. Controllers can be more overtly aggressive, you know, or control in a manipulative fashion using guilt persuasion, persistence, or other means to break down the boundaries others set. Those are really easy to spot, you know, the, the, the manipulators, the persuasive ones, the persistent ones. They, they, they are so persistent to the point till they, till they break you until, until you give in. And if you're not careful, you may be raising a child this way. And these are the ones that these are the ones that throw themselves on the ground and they cry and they scream at the grocery store because they want that candy that you told them from the get-go. Before you walked into the store, you looked at your child and you said, Tommy, we're going into the store. But Tommy, I want you to realize that we're just going in to buy some groceries. We're not going to buy you any candy or any toys. Tommy, is that understood? And Tommy says, yes, Mommy. Yes, Daddy. And the moment you walk into the store... As soon as Tommy locks eyes with those, with those candy bars or that bag of, 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 uh, of goodies, he turns to you and he says, I want that. And you say no. He throws himself on the ground. He cries and he throws a scene. Why? Because he knows that that is your button. He knows that that's how he's going to break you. He knows that you're embarrassed because everybody's watching. 
He becomes aggressive and controlling in nature. And his persuasion at age four is better than a psychologist. (laughs) And Tommy gets what he wants because he broke mommy or he broke daddy. No boundaries there. That is the controller. Don't raise controlling kids like that, please. (laughs) And then you have the non-responsive. The non-responsives are the ones that don't hear the needs of others. Someone who is in a non-responsive pattern doesn't really listen or respect the needs of others. You see, they're either critical or judgmental of the fact that others have needs, or they are so absorbed in their own needs and desires that they completely ignore the needs of others. That's what you call narcissism. I don't know if you know the story of Narcissus. I think that's how you say it. (laughs) Greek mythology. Actually, Narcisso. Let me correct that. Narcisso. Narcisso was this guy, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. I'm going to explain it to you very simply. Narcisso was a guy who, walking by a lake or a pond, he saw his reflection in the water, and he became so enamored with himself that he just stood there and looked at himself forever and ever and ever until he died. He was, he was, so, he was so amazed by his, own, by his own beauty. And that's where the word narcissistic comes from. Someone who's narcissistic is someone who only thinks about him or herself. They don't notice other people's boundaries, and they might ignore the boundaries that are set before them. So someone who is both controlling, now listen, someone who is both controlling and unresponsive have a hard time looking past themselves. They see others as responsible for their struggles and gravitate towards those with blurry boundaries who will naturally take too much responsibility in the relationship and who won't complain about it. You see, they usually gravitate to people who are what I call S-type personalities, you know, on the DISC uh, behavioral scale. S-type personalities who are stable, peacemakers, givers, uh, people pleasers. They gravitate to these types of people because they're easily to control. They're easily controlled. So controlling and non-responsive people are those that simply are too self-centered. They're, they're, they're too focused on self. And they don't see other people's boundaries. They try to control others. Look, problems arise when boundaries are not set and upheld with consistency. Yeah, we are to love one another, but we're not to be one another. I can't feel your feelings for you. I can't think for you. I can't behave for you. I can't work through the disappointment that affects you. I can't be responsible for stuff going on in your life and how that you react to it. No one should become someone else's punching bag. That's not healthy, my friend. It's not healthy at all. Brene Brown said that if we fail to set boundaries and hold people accountable, we will end up feeling used and mistreated. In short, I can't grow for you, only you can. Likewise, you can't grow for me, only I can. So protect and guard yourself by setting boundaries. Next week, part three, 
we will talk about techniques on how to set boundaries. I hope that by now you have become more self-aware of the lack of boundaries in your life. I hope that you've become more cognizant of the things that are affecting you and you're becoming more proactive in correcting those things by setting boundaries. Boundaries, boundaries will make you stronger. Boundaries will give you freedom. Boundaries will help you grow and become the person that God has called you to be. God bless you guys.